Welcome to the Tent Dot Podcast, hosted by managing partner PJ Shevlin. PJ will sit down with business leaders and entrepreneurs to discuss their journey to the top, including the obstacles, challenges, and victories along the way. Good morning, everybody. PJ Shevlin, managing partner of the Tent Dot and creator of the Tent Dot Podcast. We are on our maiden voyage today, our first podcast. We are pleased and excited. We have a special guest, uh, my friend and uh, business associate, Joe Malley, uh, an entrepreneur and executive in the financial planning and wealth management industry. Uh, Joe currently serves as CEO and general agent for Mass Mutual Eastern Pennsylvania, uh, really a premier financial services firm um, servicing the greater Eastern Pennsylvania, New Jersey region. Um, MMEPA, as we'll call it going forward, has more than 200 financial professionals, management staff. They provide services to over 41,000 clients, uh, have over $3 billion in client assets serviced, and over $10.4 billion in insurance protection uh, throughout the greater eastern Pennsylvania and New Jersey region. Uh, in 2014, Joe was named one of the Lehigh Valley's top 40 under 40 awards. Uh, 2015, he held the position of the president of the National Association of Insurance and Financial Service Advisors in the Lehigh Valley chapter. Joe is also a political ambassador for, for Finseca. Uh, they advocate for people to protect and enhance their financial well-being for themselves, their families, and their businesses. Joe's also a serial entrepreneur and part of Lehigh Valley Angel Investors. Joe, we are really, really pleased to have you today. We appreciate you taking the time. Thanks, PJ. I appreciate you having me. Thanks for uh, thanks for letting me be the first guest on your show. It's exciting. Yeah, we are excited. Joe did mention to me that he has a little bit of a cold today, but I can already tell he sounds much better than I do. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if I sound like if I sound like Barry White, that's just uh, I'm fighting a cold. <laughs> Uh, well, let's start with this, Joe. Why don't you tell us about you, um, you know, where, where you came up and from and, and how that affects kind of where you are now. Yeah. Um, so I come from very humble beginnings, PJ, and I think uh, I try to stay humble. But I grew up in northeast Philadelphia. I grew up uh, in a row home. Um, we did not have, I always say we did not have a lot of things, but uh, we certainly had a lot of love. Um I was very blessed. I'm the oldest of four kids. I've got a brother, Patrick, who's three years younger. And then I have a sister, Lauren, who's in her late 20s. And I have a brother, Shane, who's in his early uh, 20s. But my parents um, were basically uh, grade school sweethearts, then high school sweethearts. Wow. Um, then got married. Um, you know, never had another boyfriend or girlfriend. So I was just raised in a pretty awesome household with a lot of love and had two great parents. Um, my two grandfathers, my one grandfather was a sergeant major in World War II. Um, his family had come over from Ireland and he was, they were really poor. And he was a gold glove boxer um, as a teenager. And then he went to the war and became a sergeant major in World War II. And he was somebody that I was really close with and he just had really awesome work ethic, but he was just an awesome guy. I was my mom's dad. And then my dad's dad um, put himself through school, put himself through college, ended up in a, in a sales role in the pharmaceutical industry, 
and then ended up as the president <clears throat> and CEO of a pharmaceutical company. Wow. And so, um, so yeah, so I just had, I just had, I was just really blessed with, um, really great parents and great grandparents and, and a big kind of, uh, fun Irish Catholic family. And so I feel like I kind of grew up, um, lucky. I don't know how else to put it. I just grew up lucky. Yeah. And you had some, some, some entrepreneurship in your family and, and obviously came from humble beginnings. And, and I can say just from, from our work together, Joe, that you've maintained that humility, which, which I think is, is really an attractive thing for leaders today <clears throat> because people can relate. Um, and, uh, you know, to see that with someone who's been successful is, is really a lesson to be learned. Uh, and I can tell you that from personal experience. Um, so I'm sure some of that upbringing, uh, informed kind of your decision to come into the business at some point. I, I know you uh, went to LaSalle University and how did you find your way uh, in, into the financial services business? Um, so honestly, I, I grew up like reading uh, John Grisham books, PJ. So I always, <laughs> I always thought I wanted to be an attorney. Um, and so when I went to college, I decided to have, uh, political science as my major my freshman year and i was talking to uh, one of my grandfathers who was a mentor and he he kind of said you know if you decide not to be an attorney you're probably going to be a history teacher and i i didn't i didn't think i wanted to be a history teacher <laughs> and uh so his advice was why don't you major in finance because you can major in finance and learn about money and learn about how the world and the economy works and then you could always be an attorney with a degree in finance. And that um, that just made a lot of sense to me at the time. So my sophomore year, I switched my major from political science to finance. Um, one thing I will tell you about me is I never really did well with math. I always did well with English. I had pretty good scores on my SATs, but they were really heavily weighted towards the English side and not the math side which is pretty interesting that I run a financial services company. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, um, but what was interesting is I never was in, you know, you, you know, those math questions, like if two trains leave a station, go in a certain amount of miles per hour, oh, you yeah. know, I just never, that never registered with me. I just never had an interest in it. But as soon as I learned about math, as it relates to money and finance, like I just, I was just instantly drawn to it. So my, my grades really shot through the roof. Interesting when I kind of started learning about finance and economics. And so anyway, I majored in finance and then my, I want to say it was my junior year. I had enough credits that I could kind of coast. So I think I was going to take like a typing class or something like that. And, uh, my risk <laughs> management, my, my risk management professor at the time, uh, Dr. McNichol, um, she was like, Joe, you're, you're too good to do that. Um, why don't you take a minor? And when you look at risk management insurance as a minor and, uh, thank God, you know, you talk about good teachers and mentors. Um, you know, I listened to her and decided not to kind of coast and I took risk management insurance as a minor. And I, and I also, you know, really kind of fell in love with that. So I'm kind of one of the rare breed people, I think PJ, where I majored in finance, I minored in risk management insurance and, you know, ended up, uh, having a career in, in both of those areas. So, Wow. <clears throat> Very interesting. And, and you know, Joe, the uh, I'm not sure a, a lot of our listeners really understand 
Um, you know, when you get out of college or even if you're a career changer and you're looking to go into our business, you know, what, what that looks like. So, uh, when, when you, when you got out of college and, uh, why don't you tell us just how you got connected, uh, into this business? So my, um, so I actually, I played football and golf at LaSalle. So I was into athletics, um, but I decided after my sophomore year, I played golf my freshman year. I played football my sophomore year. It was actually a lot of fun because we were like the first team for LaSalle after like 50 years. We got we got killed every game. Actually, we won one game, but we got killed every game. So that was humbling <laughs> as a humbling experience. But anyway, my junior year, I decided like I needed to get serious. I wanted to find a good job out of college. Um, so I worked at Merrill Lynch my junior year of college. Mm in their corporate headquarters in Princeton. And I got lucky because the family, you know, somebody knew somebody that kind of got me an in. And so I worked in an accounting department at Merrill Lynch, my junior year of college. And um, I loved the people, but I hated the job. Um, it was basically sitting behind a desk. It was pushing paper. And I knew that, I knew that didn't register with me. I, I knew that that was not something I wanted to do when I graduated. But anyway, when I was graduating from LaSalle, I got an offer from Johnson and Johnson to be in their management development program. I got another offer from uh, Merrill Lynch to be in their management development program. And so I had two pretty good offers on the table. Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah. Making pretty good money with pretty good base salaries and bonuses. Um, and what happened is I ran into my uncle, Tony, uh, my uncle, Tony Mazzi is a general agent industry icon, uh, works at guardian life insurance company. And I just started having a conversation with Tony. I knew Tony was successful, um, but I have a huge, my dad's one of nine, my mom's one of seven. I have 50 first cousins. Um, I kind of grew up knowing Tony was successful, but I did not know what Tony did for a living. And I don't, I don't remember how I ran into Tony, but I think I ran into another party and we just talked about what I was doing after college. And, you know, he asked me if I had ever thought about financial planning or financial services. Um, I told him I had, cause I had worked at Merrill, but, um, I really didn't know what that entailed, but I knew that I had two really good offers on the table. So he said, why don't you fly down to Tampa and check out my company and see if it's something that you're interested in. And I decided to do that. So I went down to Florida and, um, you know, candidly what happened, Tony picked me up in his Mercedes at the airport <laughs> and Tony uh, had a condo on the Gulf of Mexico um tony had an office with a fireplace and a bathroom in it and um so i was i i was very i was instantly enamored um with how tony was doing and um i got to meet all their people and when i interviewed candidly when i interviewed at j and j and merrill lynch i really felt like i was kind of you know felt like i was sheep kind of being you know mm -hmm. put put through the slaughter um and with um you know, with, with Tony, I walked in and my name was on the board and he introduced me to everybody. And I really felt like I was a person. Mm. And then I sat down with one of their managers and they showed me, um, this tool they were using, which at the time was called leap for the protection savings and growth model. And, um, I saw it and it just spoke to me. They, they talked to me that they were helping clients make all their risk management decisions. So car insurance and homeowners and disability 
and wills and trusts and life insurance. And they were helping them with real estate and debt and investments. And Incredible tool, Leap is. I just, well, I just saw it. I was coming from the finance, a finance major and a, you know, a risk management minor. And I saw, I saw the software and I kind of saw the tool and I was, and you know, they talked to me about being holistic and helping people with planning and really not being about product, being about process. And every one of those things resonated with me. And I was like, you know what? I think, I think I would like to do that. I think I could be passionate about doing it. Um, but then I had to make the very hard decision. That very hard decision was if you come into this business, it's commission. Um, you're going to, you're going to, you could make a hundred thousand or you could make zero. Um, there wasn't, you know, it was, wasn't a special deal. It just kind of is what it is. And so, yeah, you're going to have a, a higher base salary at a J and J or a Merrill. Um, but you could probably have, you know, there's more risk coming into this, but there's more potential upside. So that was a lot to consider for, for me. I, I had, um, borrowed money to kind of put myself through school and I was ready to make money and I had two pretty good offers on the table. And this goes back to my parents. I went home and talked to them and said, listen, I think this is something that I'd be good at. And I think it's more risk, but you know, Tony's going to mentor me. And, and they said, you know, we believe in you, whatever you want to do. Um, so I decided to kind of take the path less traveled and move to Tampa and started my career. Um, I can tell you my, my professors thought I was insane <laughs> taking, uh, taking the road, <laughs> taking the road I'd suck. Um, because I had interviewed for a long time for the, those opportunities that I had been offered. But, um, I, you know, it was the best decision I ever made, obviously. Yeah, yeah. I you think know. your professors would agree with that now, too. Yeah, 20 years later. So so anyway, that's how I got into it. Wow. So that now, you know, just for in the interest of time, uh, obviously, yeah. I'm sitting here talking to Joe, who's a CEO of his own firm. So uh, he got in the business and followed direction and took that risk and, I got mentored by his uncle, among other people, and uh, became successful there. And then um, I got an opportunity, Joe, I guess about about 10 years ago to run your own firm, right? Yeah. So once again, like I came into the business and I wanted to be my uncle, Tony. You know, I wanted to be a general agent. Um, I loved being an advisor, but I always just had it. You know, I liked whether whether it was playing football and, you know, you know, being wide receiver captain or in my fraternity, like I was just always the kind of guy that would grab other people and say, you know, come with me. And so for me, when I came into the business, getting into leadership and recruiting advisors into my practice or, you know, grabbing an advisor that wasn't doing well and, you know, trying to pull them along, like that was just in my DNA, you know? Yep. Um, and so I always wanted to be a leader. I considered myself to be a leader and and so I got into management um, pretty early, you know, in the business and built my practice and built a unit. Um, I ended up leaving Guardian to go to Penn Mutual. I had a great opportunity to kind of be 1A or number two person in the in a firm in um, Pennsylvania. So I took an opportunity to kind of move up from a leadership perspective. And then once again, um, you know, had mentors and, and ran into some good people and then ended up with a great opportunity with mass mutual. So I've been very, um, I've been very driven and I've been very motivated. Um, but I've also been very lucky with like great mentors and, and some of it's just being in the right place at the right time too, PJ. Um, if I'm being honest, so. 
Yeah, and I think I think one of the things, Joe, that you have too, you know, you were a successful advisor and really could have chosen to stay there and made a great living um, probably for the rest of your life and, you know, got into management. And I think um, some of the general agents that I talked to today uh, that, that kind of followed that path that you followed and were really good producers and then naturally gravitated into leadership uh, really still have the heart of an advisor, which I think informs a lot of their leadership. You know, you understand that job every day and and lead your people and help provide resources and remove obstacles. Uh, because I'll tell you, it's a, it's a challenging, it's a very challenging occupation to be an advisor today, isn't it, Joe? Yeah, I would say this, PJ, like I, I don't ask our advisors to do anything that I didn't do. So I've made cold calls. I, I, there's nothing... Um, from a marketing perspective or phone call or just from a hustle perspective that I haven't done. So, you know, I really do consider myself to be an advisor. Um, I love the work that we do for our clients. I'm involved in ALU and my title at, you know, two firms ago was director of advanced planning. So in my heart, I'm a practitioner, you know, kind of, I always think about it like I'm a surgeon that's kind of running the hospital, but in my core, I'm an advisor. Um, and the firm that we've built is I've kind of built the firm that I would want to work for as an advisor. So that really directs how I think about our organization. Um, my advisors are my customer. They're not my property. They're not my employee. Um, they're my customer. So when I wake up every day, I think about what can we be doing as a firm, as a business to continue to improve our value proposition for our advisors and as an advisor, like I, like I am, or like I used to be, what were the things that I was looking for from my firm to help me grow my business? And that really does inform the way I think about our company. So, you know, we have got a full-time marketing department. We've got a robust fee-based planning department. Um, we've got tech specialists. We've got uh, new business concierge. Um, every, every single, um, Every single person in our firm that that uh, provides a service is is really kind of directed based off my experience as an advisor and and candidly what I think our advisors want and need to to grow their businesses. Excellent, that makes sense. <clears throat> and Joe, I I you know one of the things I did want to bring up here too, you know, obviously uh, they we all know we've been through uh, two years of, of really a, a transformational period, I think, for everybody, but definitely one in our business and just wanted you to touch on, to touch on that briefly. Uh, you know, uh, in March of, of 2020, the pandemic starts, um, we all go to zoom. Um, just, just some of the, the chat, you know, I know your firm has grown through this yeah. and I know, um, your best advisors have continued to grow and, and there's been some new capabilities. Why don't, why don't you just give us a little bit of a, a feel for, for your experience through that time? Yeah, I think I think two, um, at least for me, my perspective is two main things happened. Um, I will tell you, PJ, ten years ago, I was doing go-to meetings with clients and was doing electronic uh, signatures and had technology where we could do a remote meeting ten years ago. So it was not like Zoom was new or that the capability was new. We had been doing that for years. Um, what I think changed is I was always concerned. I think most advisors were always concerned 
that you don't want to spend the first 15 to 20 minutes with a client hoping that their internet connection works or hoping that they can figure out how to download the GoToMeeting software. And so it wasn't like we didn't have the technology prior to COVID. We always had the technology. It was, I think, the, the population, I think the general public finally got to a point where they were really forced to use Zoom yep. um, and FaceTime as the primary means of how they were going to communicate with their family and their loved ones and their colleagues and their coworkers. So what happened was I think the um, behavioral change just caught up with the technology that candidly had already existed for yeah, a while. Yeah, it's well put. So we were uh, so we were really in a good spot to kind of, um, you know, capture that. And I think that's, candidly, I just think that's going to continue going forward because I think it's just a great way to communicate with people. Now, I do think it's um, we're in a trust business and part of trust is looking somebody in the eyes and shaking somebody's hand. And, you know, there's a lot that goes into the first five seconds with somebody that is, I think, lost when it's done through a internet connection. So um, I think we have to figure out trust in the world that we're in now and, and how that's going to kind of, how we're going to communicate and meet people and kind of get our brands out there. But um, so that was kind of the first piece of it. And then the second piece of it was, I think for the first time, people were really face to face with their mortality because of COVID. Mm -hmm. um, I think people were faced with, you know, job loss potentially. And how are my finances going to you know, be handled or how I handle it if I do lose my job? And, and that so, first month was pretty volatile. Yeah, it was really volatile. And so, you know, we as advisors, we have to be storytellers to talk to people about, listen, you've got to think about your future retirement and you got to paint pictures about the future because that's candidly, we're making people think about the future. And, and so what happened during COVID is I think instead of us having to talk about it, I think people were just kind of, it was right in everybody's face. Like, man, I could get sick. I could die. I could lose my job. Um, I could have family members that that happens to. And so, so for what we do, um, risk management and planning and protection and asset management, um, I think it kind of just shined a light on the importance of what we do. And so what you saw in the industry and what you saw in our firm is you saw more people uh, buy insurance. I think you saw more people get serious about doing planning. Um, and so, you know, one of the strategic byproducts of that or benefits of that was, you know, it kind of helped our advisors talk to more people and help more people. <clears throat> yeah. Wow. That's uh, excellent. Um, Joe, as, as you look out now, um, really, you know, in the next <clears throat> 90 days, really, let's say through the next couple of years, mm -hmm. uh, what, what are a, a couple of your biggest opportunities and maybe your firm or, or an advisor's of biggest opportunities? And, and what are some of their, their, their obstacles too that, that are getting in the way? Where do you, where do you see the opportunities and the obstacles? Um, I think the opportunity is going to continue to lie in specialization, um, PJ. So if you look inside our firm, you know, we've got a business planning unit or department. We work with business owners. We do business valuation or evaluation. We're doing exit succession planning. As you see more kind of business owners exit their businesses. Um, we're doing special needs planning. We're doing retirement income di distribution planning. We're doing estate planning. We're doing college funding planning. So I think um, I think for advisors figuring out a niche 
or finding an expertise where they can really focus their time and energy. I think that's kind of key. And inside of our firm, we've got a lot of um, specialists with kind of like specific education and credentialing in those areas. Um, I know the way that I look at the business personally is I do not want to be commoditized. So if you're a commodity, you get priced. And so if a computer can do it, right, if a computer can do the transaction and the computer can do it faster and cheaper, um, then I don't want to be doing anything that a, comp- a computer can do cheaper, candidly. So, um, so I think you, I think as a firm, we will continue to stay specialized. Um, I think humans want to go to people for important decisions. I think they want to deal with experts when it comes to fee-based planning and financial planning and, you know, what I would call financial decisions that really matter. So, um, I'm all about enabling our advisors with, you know, best in class technology. But I think at the end of the day, people are going to want to still talk to people. So, you know, that's where we're focused. Yeah, it's kind of difficult to figure out how to fund a buy-sell agreement or what kind of buy-sell agreement you should have or, hey, let's coordinate our estate planning with our business planning. And, you know, each each uh, child could be different. Each situation could be different. I think it's really, really, you know, I, I think it's a great service to have, you know, to solve really sophisticated problems for people. And I don't see that changing. Um, you know, I, I don't see a software program coming out and having the ability to do all that. It takes a lot of work, a lot of empathy, a lot of understanding. And I know your firm is really, that's kind of your sweet spot. That, that's, you're trying to solve problems. Uh, and and, and in, in a lot of cases, sophisticated problems. Um, so yeah, so like I think about it, I think about it. Listen, if I had, um, if you t- look at it from like a health perspective, if I had a major health issue, um, I'm going to want to deal with the top doctor in that area um, to handle my care. I'm not going to go to a computer to do that. I'm right, going to want to. I'm going to want to talk to a person. However, I'm going to want that doctor to have best in class technology. So mm-hmm. I would anticipate him having access to you know IBM and Watson, and I anticipate him having access to state of the art tools you know, to, to do whatever testing they need to do or whatever procedural stuff they need to do. So I, I think, I think technology is of major importance as an advisor, because if I was hiring an advisor, I would want to know that they've got state of the art technology, but I still would want to go to that person because, you know, I would want their expertise. I would want their empathy. I would want their experience and know-how and, you know, I, I just, I just think that's kind of where we're going to sit as advisors too, right? I agree. Techno- technology enabled people um, is really where I see the future for what we do. Do you see any big changes coming, Joe, in the next five or ten years, or do you, you know, um, um, I guess maybe technology will continue to accelerate? Um, anything on the horizon uh, that 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 you see happening? Yeah, I mean, I own a I own a small stake in like a virtual augmented reality company um, that kind of does like live streaming virtual reality. Um, if you look at the investment being made in Facebook and the Meta, you know, the Metaverse. Yep. Um, yeah, it's kind of like Star Wars where you see the hologram. I I think I think in a very short period of time, you and me are going to be sitting face to face talking anywhere in the world that we want to be 
you know, in our computers or in our headsets or I don't know what that looks like exactly. I don't know. I don't know if it's not glasses anymore, but just part of, I don't know what that's going to look like per se, but I do know just because I'm involved in it, I do know that it's pretty wild where we're going from, uh, you know, virtual, virtual reality, augmented reality perspective. Um, and I think that's just going to have major impacts on business and how we interact with customers and meet people and see people. And, um, so yeah, it's, I mean, it's very early days. Yeah, but there's a lot of money being spent and a lot yeah, of people an unbelievable, are, yeah. unbelievable yeah. amount of money. So it's beyond, it's beyond, you know, is it going to happen? It's happening. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, so anyway, thinking about that from a business owner perspective and from a financial advisor perspective, it's, you know, I'm sure I know our company is thinking about it. And I think as an advisor, you kind of have to be thinking about it too. Joe, one lesson your, your career or your job or your role has taught you that you think everyone should learn at some point. Um, it might not be popular, but <laughs> um, what I've learned, PJ, is success is a marathon and it's not a sprint. You know, all of the, all of the most successful people, whether it's in sports or entertainment or business, um, you know, it's, it's a, a career is built over time. Um, a career requires hard work um, and requires sacrifice. There's a lot of downs. You know, there's a lot of, uh, you know, people only see the peaks, but there's a lot of valleys. And so, um, you know, what I've learned is it's not, it's not a sprint. It really is a, it really is a marathon. And I think if you organize that way, um, you know, when I came into the business, it was not like I need to get rich quick. It was when I came into the business, I had one goal and that was, you know, be in the business five years from now. I remember my uncle told me that I remember thinking that like, I got to make it five years. If I make it to five years, then I can kind of reassess and, and then work on getting to the next spot. And so, I just put my head down and listened and did what I was told and worked hard and tried to have a good attitude and be grateful and make it five years. And I did. And once I made it to five years, I'm like, all right, how do I make it to 10 years? You know? And when I got hired as a GA, I'm like, all right, I don't want to, if you think about like a rookie quarterback being drafted, I, I, the way I thought about it was don't throw any interceptions. You don't need to win the game, but don't lose the game. And, you know, be grateful that you have the opportunity and work your behind off and hopefully good things will happen. And I just, you know, so I, I think the world that we live in with, you know, you kind of, I don't know what this, there's a lot of TV shows where it's kind of the instant, right? Every, everything happens right away. Yeah. Everybody, every, everything happens instantly. I don't believe that's success, you know, and I don't believe that's sustained. I think that's a television show. Um, I agree. So anyway, and it's, it's, it's interesting too. If you, if you know, I, I read and listen to other podcasts and I know you do too. And you know, it's, it's just some tremendously successful people and and they're asked that question and, and you're, you're, you're waiting for the answer and you're, you're thinking you're going to get this, this piece of advice that's going to change your, your whole life. And, and what so many of them say is kind of what you just said, be patient, be diligent, it's one step at a time. The turtle wins the race. Um, yeah. I, well, one, one, I, I, I was in this school a number of years ago. Um, and one of the things that we studied in this school was mood, right? Like your attitude. 
they called it mood. Um, and what I learned through this class is that successful people can control their moods and most unsuccessful people can't control their moods and most successful people, um, do things to kind of put themselves in the right frame of mind to open up opportunities and potential for success. And a lot of unsuccessful people don't do that. So for me, what I've learned, what I've learned is that when I exercise every day, my, my endorphins biologically, it puts me in the right frame of mind to kind of go attack the day. So like exercise is something that I can do to control outcome. Um, what I put into my body controls my mood. Um, what I listen to or what I read controls my mood. And so I'm very, very conscious of who I listen to and what I listen to and what I participate in. And so, you know, what I've kind of learned through the years is that if I exercise and eat properly and read, you know, read good books or read good authors or, or listen to motivational people, then what I'm doing is I'm giving myself, I'm putting myself in the right frame of mind to, to have the right attitude that I need to do what I do every day. Right. And so, and any, and everybody can control that, you know, it's up to you. So, um, that's just something that I've learned. And Joe, I'd be remiss if I didn't, um, you know, mention that I, you know, I know you're involved in some community stuff and, uh, you're a father of a child with special needs who I happen to know personally is a very talented young man, uh, uh, great drummer. Um, yeah. but, but how has that kind of informed uh, some of the things you're doing, um, in the community and, and you and Allison, I know, uh, work, work with, with different organizations and kind of it's, it's really informed kind of, kind of your business too and personal. Yeah. So, um, you know, so my, my son is ADHD. Finally, as an 11 year old, we kind of figured out what we were dealing with, but, um, didn't know what we were dealing with for a while, but you know, my son's doing phenomenal. Um, my wife has started like a nonprofit, um, called Allie's Endeavor, which kind of talks about our journey and, um, you know, the things that, and, and basically we, once again, we got really lucky. We had the means to be able to kind of um, talk to some of the best doctors and kind of get out into the community and talk to people. And so what we have learned, um, going back to what I was just saying, is that, um, you know, diet and there's just things that you mm-hmm. can do for a child um, who has special needs that might be outside of just the normal medication thing. So um, we've got a hyperbaric chamber in our house that's been phenomenal. Um you know, we're into a pretty strict diet routine with my son and, and candidly, uh, we're on as well. Um, so anyway, you know, my, my I think he picked home. the right instrument, Joe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, he loves, he <laughs> came out, bang, he came out banging. Um, and, and, and so I put, we put a drum kit in front of him pretty early on. Um, but anyway, I, but let me, but I will tell you this. I, I was a big, uh, reader and believer of Napoleon Hill. I'm sure you've read yep. Make and Grow Rich and um, Napoleon Hill's um, son. I don't know if you know the story. was born without ears. And um, I did not know he had, Napoleon Hill would like read to him every night and just constantly talk to him about how important he was and how special he was and how his disability wasn't going to be his limitation that ultimately it could be a strength. And um, anyway, as an adult, he ultimately 
um, as technology advanced, he was able to, he was born without ears, but he was able to ultimately get his hearing. And then he got into like, he ended up becoming a very successful entrepreneur, um, helping, helping other people, um, you know, who were deaf kind of get their hearing back. Dynamite. And, uh, it's pretty, yeah, pretty amazing story. But anyway, so that story kind of was always in my head. And then there's a book, um, by Malcolm Gladwell called David and Goliath. And, uh, the David and Goliath book kind of talked about how, um, if you know the David and Goliath story, everybody thought that, you know, David was the underdog and Goliath was the big giant that was going to crush David. But, um, you know, David was a marksman. He was a sharpshooter. So it really, it really was opposite. <laughs> you know, David, <laughs> David killed Goliath from a distance because he was a sharpshooter. And so, you know, what was seen as his limitation was candidly his strength. Um, and so if you read the book, David and Goliath, what you start to realize and recognize is that a lot of times what people's perceived limitation is, uh, is what ends up becoming their greatest strengths. And, mm. and I kind of just, you know, I hold that for my son and, you know, candidly, I hold that for most people that I meet is certainly your limitations can be what prevent you, um, from accomplishing, but a lot of times it can also be the catalyst to success or growth or, or whatever you decide that you're going to make it about. And so that's kind of what we've just decided, you know, with my son, that it wasn't, it wasn't going to be something that held him back. We're going to figure out how to make sure that he excelled and give him, you know, love and support and whatever we could do to help him do that. So, so we're doing that with my son and we're trying to do that in the cause that my wife started. And, um, you know, I try to try to give back however I can. So, Fantastic, Joe. Uh, hey, uh, you know, I, I did want to, first of all, I, I want to thank you so much for being part of this today. Uh, I, I think it's been really, really interesting. We've gotten to know you better and some great life lessons in there. Um, Joe, you have a podcast. I believe it's called Tips from the Top. Uh, yeah. And then, of course, we have your organization. Where can people find uh, find that podcast, find the firm, uh, just give us a, a, you know, a destination for them to go to. Our, our website is easternpa.massmutual.com. So you can find links to my podcast. My podcast is really just interviewing top uh, thought leaders and advisors on kind of their story and best practices and what's working and helping them grow their business. Um, I'm sure you know this PJ, but we come our industry is pretty awesome because most, most successful folks I know in our industry are, are willing to share ideas. And, Absolutely. Um, and so I think that's one of the greatest things about our business. So yeah, you can find that information out, um, on our website. And then I've got a LinkedIn, you know, you can find me on LinkedIn, you can find me on Facebook or Twitter. Um, but yeah, that's where to find me. Joe Malley. Thank you very much for your time and helping us launch this podcast today. We really appreciate it, Joe, and, and wish you the best going forward. Thanks, my friend. I appreciate you having me. Take care.